This podcast is part of the Shareable Podcast Network. Learn more at shareable.fm. Not every guest takes me up on the opportunity, but I like to do a segment called The Mic Swap, where I make my guest into the host, and then I become the guest. I let them take the conversation wherever they want to take it, ask me whatever they want, and uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. This is Mic Swap. Hi, I'm Rick Maurer. I'm author of Seizing Moments of Possibility and other books on how do you build support for change? How do you avoid resistance? And I'm really pleased to be talking with Jeff Gibbard today, uh, who talks with lots of leaders about, well, issues that are shareable, to coin a phrase. And so, Jeff, it's good to have you here today. Thanks so much. I've been hoping to come on Shareable for some time now. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so one of the things that that I talk about a lot is why people resist. And um, I, I'm going to tell you this, the three things real quickly, but I'm really going to ask you to, to respond on to the level three one and see what you and your guests might have come up with. And level one is I don't get it. People don't understand what you're doing. Level two is I don't like it, which is an emotional reaction based on fear. And level three is I don't like you, which really means I don't have trust and confidence in you to lead something like that. And that could come from our past experience, or it could come from who I represent. Hi, I'm from headquarters. I'm here, here to help, uh, that sort of thing. So I'm curious in the interviews you do and, and also your other work, do you see level three playing out as an important factor or not? I think it's among the most critical. Uh, so I have a book coming out in January called The Lovable Leader. And uh, I'm happy always to give away a lot of the content that's in there. But the Lovable Leader framework rests on three different uh, pillars, which are trust, care, and safe travels. And I think that if uh, you're a leader who doesn't care about your people, you're going to have a tough time getting their trust. And if you don't have their trust, they're not going to go on the travels with you. And they're not going to trust that you're going to ensure safety along those travels. And really, what is a leader's job but to set a destination somewhere and to get people there safely? And the easiest way that you can do that, or I guess the most effective way you can do that, is by building a coalition of people that you care about, that care about one another, that care about you, and where there's mutual trust all around. So that when you set that big, hairy, audacious goal, wherever it may be, that you have the the right team in place and that you're also... Uh, one of the things that your team is trusting you with, and one of the things that comes out of that care is to ensure and provide safety for that team getting there, whether it's safety from outsiders, safety from each other, safety from you, or safety from themselves. So in terms of how important is that, I would say that there's virtually nothing that is more important than trust and care in your leadership role. And um, I, I think you raise an interesting point about the, the I don't like you, and what does that mean? It could be where they're from, it could be, you know, like I'm from headquarters, as you mentioned, or it could be something about past experiences. I would say it all comes down to the story we have about someone. It comes down to, so I'm from corporate. I'm implying in that, that, oh, you have corporate's interest in mind and you don't care about me because of my yeah. past experiences with corporate or my past experiences in business. So right. we have these stories that we tell in our heads about things. And I think probably the most important one is we have got to, um, the, the thing that will break everything is I don't trust your intentions. I don't trust your, like the heart of what you're about. So if you can get two people aligned around where they're going, their purpose, if they have a line alignment in their values and there's trust that those, the expectation will be met, that those values will be, you know, uh, enforced and applied and, and lived. Then I think that there's, there's going to be problems. Yeah. I, I love that. And by the way, I, uh, 
I'm really struck by the phrase safe travels. I mean, everything you're saying just supports that. And I, I just think it's a, it's a wonderful image to think of uh, when we, whether it's a, a senior leader or a supervisor or a project leader, you know, are we providing safe travels? And the, the goal is to get from here to there, but can we do it safely? That's what, that's what I really yeah. like about that. Yeah. Um, and I just want to pick up on the, this notion of what's really key is the leader's intention. Uh, and it, at least in my work, I found uh, that that's absolutely essential. And people will, will go, no, 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 he just had an off day. If they know your intentions are good, mm-hmm. or there's, or you misspoke, you know, and you didn't mean to say the word downsizing, that they, they trust your intentions. And man, without that, then they're parsing every word. I mean, it's like, uh huh, uh huh. Mm-hmm. He said that. Yep. So, is and that is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and 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 that's not to say that like even if you have good intentions, you can't cause harm to someone. I think obviously you can. Some of the best intentioned people, you know, they say the road to hell is paved with best intentions. Right. Like obviously your intentions matter, but your outcomes matter just as much. But I think the what I mean by the intention is that um, if if you have built your reputation and you have built your personal brand to your team as a leader on the idea that you're going to be transparent with them, that you your goal is for everyone in the organization to thrive and succeed, that your goal is to make sure that you take care of everyone, that you hmm. that there's trust on the team, that, that you care about the work that you do. If you do all of those things and then you operate with integrity in that and you mm-hmm. continually do that, then yes, I think exactly what you're saying is correct because people trust this is who that person is and we're gonna give you a pass on that one thing provided it's not you know, an egregious misstep or error, but they're gonna give you the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. because you've earned it. And I, and I think the, the point of the, I don't like you thing is that that's the sort of thing where you haven't built up enough capital to get that benefit of the doubt. They just don't Mm -hmm. like you, but if people can love you and not like you, right, they can, (laughs) they can love you because they know that you care about them, that, that they can trust you and that you're going to get them where they're going safely and they can still not like you for it. They can still say, look, your personality grates on me and I hate your optimism. It just drives me nuts. But at the same time, I love that. I know that you care about me. I love that. I know that I can trust you. And I love that. I know that we are going to accomplish what we set out to, even if you're going to drive me nuts along the way. I hate my trainer. He makes me lift weights and he exhausts me. (laughs) But I love him because I know that I can trust that he's giving me good advice. And I know that I can ask him questions. I know he cares about my safety, so he's not going to put me through it. I know I'm going to get the results I want. So there's that love-like thing that I think often gets, you know, um, tangled up. And if if you know that somebody's intentions are are pure and they're operating in accordance with the values that you respect and you trust them and you care about them and you know you're gonna get safe travels and you could not like them and you're still going to give them the the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's funny. I was just on a podcast called shareable and I was talking about, yeah, it's a good show. (laughs) And um, I was talking about, you know, you know, people saying, Hey, here's the best job I ever had. And this guy said I had worked, he was an engineer uh, for uh, Admiral Jaime Rickover in the, our nuclear energy, nuclear submarine service. He said, because he said, there's nowhere else I could do that. And I would say, I would guess that he would say exactly what you're saying is, yeah, I didn't like him, but I loved him. Yep. I mean, he loved what he was doing. It was not fun. Apparently, I mean, he 
Rickover had a reputation for, man, you make a mistake, you, <laughs> you pay for it in embarrassing ways, I, I think. But at any rate, it's, but that, that distinction is such an important one. And I, so I was, I was really glad for that. Yeah. And it's um, one of the examples I give in the book. Um, it's just short is that, you know, I played basketball throughout high school. It was my dream to become a, a, the starting point guard for the New York Knicks. And um, the, the type of coaches that I responded to were very different than my best friend, Matt, who played soccer and the type of coaches he responded to. Uh. I liked coaches who would tell me that they really saw a lot of potential in what I was working on, that they wanted to help me grow, that there were some things in my game that were weaknesses that we could work on together. Like it was a very supportive coaching figure. Yes. My best friend, Matt, liked a coach that would get up in his face and tell him that he's better than that and he needs to do better than that. He's going to ride the pond, huh. right? So it, the approach that you take is going to be different for each person. I think a leader has to be adaptable enough to be able to work with a lot of different personalities and, and provide the type of coaching and guidance yes. and mentorship that people need. There's no one right way, but I do think what was inherent in both of those coaches huh. that we would respond to is we knew that they had our back. We knew that they cared about our performance. And it was just the approach that works for one and the other and, and not the other, you know, the other coach that that gets in his face, if that, if I had a coach like that and he yelled at me, he screamed at me, doesn't necessarily mean I don't think that coach want, doesn't want me to get better or doesn't yeah. care about my well being or any of that, or, or isn't even the right coach to get us where we're going, just that I'm not going to respond to that style. And, yes. I, and I think that's an important underpinning uh, of the whole thing is, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of adapting your style, not necessarily your values. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's I think it's a really good distinction. I have played music my whole life and I study jazz and um, and I, I recall being in a, a jazz master class. And the problem was the teacher was so complimentary all the time. And I was just starting to play jazz. There wasn't a lot to compliment, you know, <laughs> well, you didn't fall over on your face, Rick. That's great. And I said some to him, I said, look, I really want some really, you know, you don't have to be mean about it, but I want really clear feedback. And he said, you know, one of the problems is there's some people, this weekly thing we do, this is the only time they have a chance to pick up their horn. So it's just fun. They got out of the house. They're seeing people they like. They're and he said, you, you used to be a musician. You're serious about this kind of stuff. And for him, it was, he's the same guy, but he really then got, got a lot better at, I started to notice that he would, you know, he would zone in and go, Rick, Remember what we talked about last week? You're doing it again, that, that kind of thing. And so, yeah. yeah. So, but it, it really, I think, speaks to what you're talking about with integrity. The, the, the leader's still the same person. They're just using a different technique with yep. those people. Yeah. Let me ask you, um, it's a little different than what we talked about before, but one of the things that I've been working on is this notion of pockets of energy. There are places in the life of a change where they're just, it's energy to be used. And if you don't pay attention to it, it can work against you. And the yes. first one, by the way, is that people don't see the urgency. And what you need is people to see urgency. Because if they don't see it, then they're going to go, oh, no, here we go again. Or they're never even going to listen. But the last one that I find that is oddly enough, doesn't happen much, is organizations will spend a lot of time planning, implementing and then they'll evaluate the success. Like, did we come in on time, on budget? Did everybody get the training and all of that, which is good stuff to measure, but not was it valuable? And I'm curious in your work and in, in, in doing interviews and that, if you've seen any examples of leaders who did really good about after the change, after all the training, all of that got the bugs out of the software, they were really good about bringing it home so that actually changed 
the life of people or changed the quality of what was going on? So there's kind of two things in there, but yes, I, what I would say is the ones that um, in my, in my work as a consultant and coach, as my, you know, my, as a strategist, my work, you know, interviewing people uh, as, as a podcaster and things like that, and all the different people I've talked to across all different walks of life, I will say that the people that are most likely to fall into that, um, did the work have value are less likely to be, um, uh, doing it as a, as a, uh, sort of like as a postmortem afterthought, like, oh, that all that work that we did, was it valuable more often than not? I would say it's the people who at the very beginning say, why are we doing this? And what is the value we intend to get from it? Because all they're then doing is checking in on what their stated intention was from the beginning. So that would be, I'd say the first thing is that the people that I've most noticed that in the leaders that I think are most value driven in their work. And and by that, I mean, like more like numerical value, not like, Mm -hmm. you know, personal values. I would say for them, it's, it's at the very beginning that they're planning that plotting it and then checking against it at the end. On the side of work being valuable to humanity, society, valuable in that particular way, I would say that that's more of people who have taken a firm stance that their career is going to mean something particular. Huh. That it, it's not so much a project by project thing, and it's more of a person to person thing. Yes. That they've decided that the work that I do is going to matter in this unique and fundamental way. So again, I think it is a little bit of like, uh, those are people who state their intentions early on in either of those two examples. And then they go about trying to do that. And I think more often than not, especially if it's more of like an infinite game sort of situation where they're not playing to win, they may have a check-in and look at the progress, but they're never done. They're after something. Yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's funny. I was talking with a a group yesterday doing, uh, a, uh, was a, a, a class, a virtual class. And somebody said, so, so once they've established energy in one of those pockets, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. And I said, no, it's never, just as you said, it's never done. It's what you need to pay attention to. It doesn't have, even doesn't even have to be a lot of time, but it's just people know that, oh no, that's important to Jeff and that can be enough. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about like you, you mentioned the urgency piece of it, right. And like the, the pockets of energy and looking for it. I think the, the people that I've interacted with that are on a mission of some sort, their energy kicked off at a certain point. There was a, there was sort of a pivotal moment that made them go, ah, I want to go do that. I want to accomplish yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it, and the energy wanes over time as with everything that, you know, you, you kind of, you're going through the process and there's going to be ebbs and flows, but there's, there's always a a sort of a recentering around the why, the Mm -hmm. why are we doing this? And that, that re energizes, um, you know, them and their teams around the urgency of what they're ultimately out to, to do. So you kind of always have to keep bringing it back because especially, um, you know, humans have a tendency, like you think about something like climate change, the bigger Mm. the problem or the further out the consequences or whatever, the harder it is to kind of grapple with it in the here and now. So you, if you don't keep bringing it back and re-putting it, you know, in front of you, uh, it's the sort of thing that, um, that can kind of get, um, uh, lost in the sauce. Yes. I have attention deficit disorder. And for me, I struggle with object impermanence that the idea that essentially if something is not with something that I can see, it's just gone. It just doesn't exist. So I, I have things out like right uh, on my screen that I'm looking at, I have a little sticky note that says, don't forget to press record. And that's because I don't yeah. want to jump on a podcast and right. forget <laughs> to be recording it. So yeah, yeah. It, it's that sort of a thing that like, sometimes you have to figure out what's the tactic to keep that urgency <laughs> top of mind and to keep the mission. in sync. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, to, to agree with you, I was just on a plane recently and it was United flight and the head of United, I can't recall, I don't recall his name, talked about a process for 
uh, United, I think, to be 100% green. They had a slogan for it, 100% green by 2050. That's 29 years from now. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I, I applaud that. I hope it works. But he is, it's not likely he's going to be the head of United Airlines 29 years from now. Yeah. What do you do to get it started with a momentum that it'll stay alive? And, and, and I hope they do well. But sadly, those kind of long-term projects are... They're tough. Oh, so. yeah. Well, I mean, at my company, the Superhero Institute, is uh, is going to grow to over a billion dollars in revenue by the year 3100. So, you know, <laughs> it's like, who cares? Like, what does it matter? Like, let's talk, what's the impact you're going to make at some reasonable juncture? Yeah. Hey, Jeff, I want to thank you for being here. This has been truly shareable. Wait, don't leave. If you've never listened to my fancy outro, do it just once for me, please. Okay, if you enjoy shareable, and you find it valuable, there's a few ways that you can support the show. One, you can share it on social media, which I strongly encourage. I mean, it's literally the name of the show, Shareable. Two, you can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're an Overcast user, as many of my listeners are, make sure to click that star button on the episodes that you like. The third way that you can support the show is by blogging about it or discussing it on your own podcast or even by making a YouTube video where you talk about one of the episodes. And then the final way that you can support the show is by supporting it directly on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Now, before I let you go, I want to tell you about one other thing. You see, Shareable is just one of many projects that I'm working on at any given time. I've got another podcast called Rogue. I do a live streaming show every week called The Heroic Council. I've got a blog where I release a blog post twice a week. And if you're looking to keep up with all sorts of different content that can help you grow and become a superhero in life, I want you to check out jeffgibber.me. That's where I list all of my current projects and projects that are coming up in the future, including my forthcoming book, The Lovable Leader. It would mean a lot to me if you could go and check out some of the other things I've worked on because I put just as much of my heart into those projects as I do into Shareable. Thank you so much for being a listener. Thank you for being a supporter. And I hope to see you here on the next episode of Shareable.